awesome job. I do want to say uh, a special thank you to Julia. Julia, stand up. Julia has done an awesome job uh, working with these kids, and uh, really just she's done an awesome job, and we're grateful uh, that she's invested her time uh, in that, and, and you, see the, you see the outcome of it. These kids have done an awesome job, and uh, she has a lot of patience. I, I would have had been patient with them. I'm sorry. So, um, but she did an awesome job. But at this time, uh, we want to show you a, uh, a quick video of an organization called Love Life. Uh, it is a uh, pro-life movement, and uh, we want to. I'm going to talk a little bit about it after we show you the video. But take a look at this. Eight hundred, eight hundred lives are on the earth today because of this organization. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. So they have come to Greensboro, and we've been doing a uh, prayer walk for the last several weeks uh, over in Greensboro. If you want to get involved in something that's non-confrontational. 
but the power of God is moving because of our faithfulness to pray and worship. This is the organization you want to be a part of. This is the movement that you want to be a part of. It is, uh, like I said, it's non-confrontational, but the power of God is moving. I, I love to hear. I wish I could share some of the stories that these guys have shared with us over the times that we've been there. But I know that there's been several people that has gone with us on Tuesday mornings. I know that's hard for you to do, but I know Julia has made it. Katrina has made it. I think Missy and, and Dale or Missy has made it a couple of times. Uh, Brent is very, very involved in this. You're going to hear him talk about this. He's the one that's pretty much brought it to our attention. So he's going to talk about this as well uh, when he comes back uh, next week. So, uh, but June the 28th is Rushwood is actually doing the prayer walk at this location in Greensboro. So we would love for everybody to be a part of that. That is on a Saturday. That is not on a Tuesday. So uh, hopefully you don't have to work on that day. But June the 20th, or July the 28th, sorry, July the 28th, we will be putting on the prayer walk. And basically what you do is you show up. We have somebody, we'll gather in a, in a circle, we'll have somebody uh, speak for a few minutes and share the vision of this movement. And we'll have a little bit of a worship time where we just worship. Somebody will lead us in worship. And then we just pray before we walk. And then we walk. We do like a prayer walk across the way there into in front of the abortion clinic. And we just pray. We just pray. We don't, we don't hold up signs and we don't tell people uh, they're going to hell or anything like that. We just pray. And we're still and we see God move. Amen. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. We don't have to hold up a sign necessarily. If we'll just pray, God will move. If we're faithful to pray, he will move. And that's exactly what this movement is about. So July 28th, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. So please, please, if you can, be a part of that. Rushwood Church will be leading that Saturday, so we want you to join. We want you to be a part of it. it. As you see, it is an awesome, awesome movement, and it is touching lives, and it is saving lives in America. Don't we want to save some lives in America? So please, please uh, sign up for that. Be a part of that. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, you, you, we may see some powerful stuff happen uh, while we're there, so uh, please, please come out and be a part of that. Okay, at this time, uh, we're going to introduce our speaker, Adam Hurley. Where's he at? He's over there. Adam Hurley is our youth director, and it, as you know, this is Youth Sunday, so we've asked Adam to, to share the message, and uh, we're going to ask him to come on and share what God has laid upon his heart this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's awesome. I drank some of that. You don't even know. I'm good. I'm good. Well, thank you, guys. It's a privilege to be invited to stand in front of you. Uh, I feel very unworthy to stand up here in front of you. Um, before we start, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. That always helps me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for our teams. 
and how they've led us in worship this morning. It's a true privilege to be in your presence, Lord, and we just thank you for that. We thank you that you are the king of the universe, and we know that you're in control. I just pray now that you'd give us some words that we can apply to our lives and help us to better serve you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I've got good news and bad news this morning. The good news is Brent will be back next week. Is anybody glad for that? The bad news is he won't be back until next week. So some of you will get that in the car on the way home. But uh, anyway, I'm kind of like the warm-up band that they bring on when they're having a concert, you know, and you've got a big act. Like one of the highlights of the youth group this, this year, we went to see Winter Jam, and Skillet was the headliner. But before Skillet came out, and they had a bunch of great bands, if you ever get to go to Winter Jam, <clears throat> take you some earplugs and go. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, Skillet was there. Who were some of the other ones? Jordan Police, Building 429. They had some good groups. But before the really good groups came out, this group in office chairs came out and sang. And God bless them. God bless them. Okay. But... <laughs> They made Skillet and Building 429 and Jordan Police sound that much better, in my opinion. Would you agree, guys that were there? Yeah, so you kind of lower the bar, and then they can come in and look like heroes. So that's what I'm here for today. I'm here to lower the bar, and then next Sunday, Brent will be back, and he'll hit it out of the park, I know. All right? Before we start this morning, I'd like to just take a minute and tell you about our youth group. I'm so grateful to be a part of our youth group and what God's doing here at Rushwood. Uh, First of all, we have great sponsors. I have 11 sponsors, which is unheard of. And they really, really contribute a lot. If you're a sponsor, would you stand up? And can we just recognize them real quickly? So, so thank you to all those, especially Melody. She's always catching my slack. And so I really appreciate all of our sponsors. They give up. Uh, at the least an hour a week, and at the most, much more than that. Um, also, I want to brag on our teens. We have teens that show up every Wednesday night to get in the Word for an hour, okay? You guys know the world we're living in. You know uh, the distractions that we have in our lives. And we have teenagers that are, <laughs> that are ready to seek God in their lives. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, basically, at our weekly meetings, what we've done this last semester... Uh, we've done a Back to the Basics series. We talked about the Garden of Eden, Noah's Ark. Uh, every Bible story you ever heard in Sunday school, we covered it. And you say, well, that seems like a pretty uh, immature thing to cover with a youth group. You need to go back and read those stories because there's stuff in there that you've missed. There's, there's stuff underlying that helps you to understand what's going on now, okay? I'll just give you one for instance real quick. Now, this is not my notes. I won't charge you any extra for this. But uh, when they came off the ark, you remember what God put in the sky? A rainbow. He put a rainbow in the sky to remind them that he wouldn't destroy the earth, right? Is that how, what it says? It actually says that he put a rainbow in the sky to remind the people of his promise not to destroy the earth and to remind God. So something that's, that's really frustrated me recently is there's a group in our world that has taken the rainbow flag and they run around waving it for their sin. And I, it's always bothered me until we went back through that, and I was studying that, and I said, God knew this all along. When he looks down and sees that circle of rainbow, he's reminded of his promise to us. 
And he loves them just like he loves you and me. Okay, so it's just a sin no different uh, than some of the sins that may be in our lives. But I think that serves as a reminder to God, too, of his promise that he made to Noah many years ago. There's lots of little things in there that, that are good nuggets, stories you think, oh, I've heard that a million times. I don't need to hear that. Um, if you think there's not a need for what we're doing, studying the Word with our teenagers, my heart was broken at one of our meetings we had a young girl, and, and we're studying the Bible. We have Bibles out on tables, and she's got her phone out, and she's taking a picture of the Word of God. And I just tried to real discreetly slip over to her, and I said, hey, do you have a Bible at home? And she said, no. She is that hungry for the Word of God that she's ready to take pictures of it so she could, she could study it later. So we took care of that problem that night. She has the Bible now. But it just, it just really reinforces the work and effort that you're putting in. Uh, there's a hunger for the Word of God, and we're going to dig into that here in just a minute. And then, then probably the thing I'm the most proud about our youth group is we had four people commit their life to, to Christ this, this spring in our youth group. <clears throat> All right, so let's get down to it. We're going to uh, go through our scripture just like we've gone through every week. We're talking about putting on the full armor of God. And I know Blake's got it. I've seen it. <clears throat> so let's read that. Would you read that with me? Can we stand and read God's word this morning? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the word of the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. So I just want to highlight uh, Ephesians 6, 11 and now we just read. And we read through there several times. It says, stand firm, okay? If you look um, <clears throat> here, it says, stand against the wiles of the devil. The New American uh, Standard Bible says, stand firm against the devil. We're called to stand our ground against the devil, okay? You're going to have to fight the devil in your life, but you're not to give up ground. All right, so in the, in the times of, of these writings, soldiers in those days, the, the success of a war, now we measure success of wars in a bunch of crazy ways that don't make any sense. I, when I was in school, I studied about, uh, about the Civil War and how it was really a battle of ground. World War I, it was trenches, and you gain ground, and you give ground, and it was back and forth like that. Uh, World War II was much that way, and, and then Vietnam became a, a war of numbers, right? So it's who's killing more people. There was no ground gained or ground lost. 
And so, but in these days, it was about standing your ground. All right? So if you were gaining ground, you were winning. And if you were giving ground, you were losing. And for that reason, the leaders of those armies expected their men to stand firm and not give any ground. And if it meant giving their life, so be it. Uh, we're not called to run from the devil. That's what I see there uh, in Ephesians 6. God didn't say, hey, just run away from the devil. We're not called to hide from the devil. Okay? I'm afraid we've got a lot of Christians hiding from the devil. He's not paying them any attention because they're not doing anything to fight him. But we're called to resist the devil. And over the past six weeks, we've talked about five different ways, excuse me, the past five weeks, we've talked about five different ways uh, to resist the devil. Uh, we resist the devil with the belt of truth, have truth in our life, that will help us resist the devil. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness, live a righteous life is a way to resist the devil. We've talked about the shoes of peace. If you live a life of peace, it will help you resist the devil. The shield of faith, okay, how our faith will help us to resist the devil. And the helmet of salvation, our, our very salvation will help us resist the devil. James 4, 7. Uh, and I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you today because, frankly, I'm an amateur, okay? And I'm going to hide behind God's word. Uh, and if you disagree with that, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> you disagree with me, you're probably right. But you disagree with God's word, you'll be wrong. Uh, resist the devil and he will flee. So it's a promise we find in his word. All right? The emphasis here is on resisting the devil. You see that? It's all about resisting. It's not about attacking. It's about resisting. But sometimes the old devil gets you in a corner, and you're going to have to go on the offensive. He gets you back, back to the end, and you've got nowhere else to go. You're going to have to stand your ground. You're going to have to fight. I'll tell you just a little bit. This is not in my notes, but the old devil's been on me this week. <laughs> I love people. I love everybody, but... There's two people in my world that are, that are more special to me than anybody else. And the devil didn't attack me. He's attacked them. And, and my son's had a few health concerns this week. And in turn, uh, my wife's had a few uh, worry concerns this week. And, so, and that's created strife in our home. And I, I attribute that. I know that's the devil just attacking me. He knew what I was doing this morning. And he did everything he could. Uh, to try to stand in the way. Uh, so I've been backed in the corner this week. I, this is not where this message was going. I was planning to move in and talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to leave that alone today. Uh, but um, I've had to stand my ground. I've had to, I've had to fight. Uh, I've had to fight the devil this week, and I know many of you have as well. Um, a fully equipped Roman legionary was armed with a shield. We just talked about a shield. He was armed with one or two javelins and a sword. Conventionally, soldiers would throw the javelins to try to disable the enemy's shields and disrupt their formations before engaging in close combat. At that time, they would draw a gladius. Now, this is a, a representation, as best I can tell, of what a Roman gladius was in those days. A fairly short sword, a very efficient sword. So the soldier generally led with his shield, kind of like what we we're talking about. You notice in this scripture, it starts off giving us ways to resist the devil, right? One of those is the shield of faith. 
All right, so they'd lead with their shield, and then they'd come around with their sword. So the gladius have, uh, appears to have been suitable for cutting and chop, chopping as well as thrusting. You know, nowadays, I don't know any army who is, is fighting with swords. So this scripture in modern days, if it was written today, would probably say something like the M16 of the Spirit, or the AR-15 of the Spirit, or the Glock of the Spirit, okay? Um, look, the fact is that I love guns, all right? And we're in Randolph County, so probably most of you do as well. Um, in fact, Randolph County ranks number one in North Carolina in gun ownership. And number ninth, num number nine nationally in gun ownership. And I'm trying to do my part to get us up to that number eight spot. So, all right, some of you are with me. All right. As much as I love guns, I've never used one against anyone. I've never shot at anyone. I've never tried to injure anyone. My little boy, he loves to play with guns. And if you say something he doesn't like, he might say, I'm going to shoot you. Okay? And I'm sorry for that. We're working on that. Uh, but guns are, you know, they just are what they are. Uh, a gun is something that I have in case something bad happens. Would you agree with me, those of you that are my Randolph County friends here? And I know I'm not the only one. Um, that's exactly how you need to live your spiritual life. You need to be ready just in case the devil attacks. Because I promise, if you're living for God, if you're following God, if you're seeking God, he will attack. Now, I'm usually able to resist trouble. I attribute the fact that I've never been in a shootout to the fact that I stay out of a lot of bad places and I don't run with a lot of bad people, okay? Uh, but the same can be true with our spiritual life. You can keep yourself out of some battles by surrounding yourself with some good people, right? By surrounding yourself by finding yourself in good places, in holy and righteous places where you should be. Uh, so how do we resist the devil? We resist the devil with truth, righteousness, peace, and salvation. I'm not saying that the Word of God, that's where we're going with this, I'm not saying that the Word of God should be a last resort. The way the Scripture is written, I can see where somebody would almost think that. That's not the last resort. So my guns and their swords both require practice to be effective, right? So if you go buy a gun tomorrow and put it in your drawer and your nightstand, whenever you have to use it and you don't know how to operate it, you don't know how to cut the safety off, you don't know, is it even loaded, you're not prepared, okay? So you need to spend some time with your sword and stay sharp, all right? I'll say that again. I thought I'd get an amen right there. You need to spend some time with your sword and stay sharp. All right? Um, in fact, in those days, you literally had to keep your sword sharp. And I imagine, I, this is just totally according to Adam here, but I imagine in the nights before battle, maybe they've just had a battle today and they're going back into battle tomorrow, that they probably carried a, a, a sharpening stone and they would sit around the fire at night sharpening their swords, getting ready for the next day's battle. Wow. How appropriate is that to our lives? Do you think we should spend some time getting ready for battle? Do you think we should spend some time sharpening our sword? So the sword, if you look at uh, Ephesians there 6, 17b, the sword of the Spirit, which is 
the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is literally God's Word. Uh, Isaiah 48, and I told you I was going to throw a lot of scripture at you today. Uh, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is tested. You got people out here that want to tell you, oh, that's not really the Word of God, or the Bible conflicts itself, or how do you know that's true? Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. All right? John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you guys realize that this literally is God? <laughs> literally. We have access to God. The creator of the universe, the king of kings, you can sit down and have a conversation with him quite literally and hear what he's saying to you. And how oftentimes we'd rather watch, you know, Amazing Race or uh, I don't even know what's on TV now. Whatever popular television show, America's Got Talent or something foolish like that. Okay? Um, John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten Father, full of grace and of truth. Jesus literally was the embodiment of the Word in the human, in the human form. There in the Greek, this comes from the Greek in John, uh, that word, the word Word, comes from the Greek word logos which actually means the full message. You see, Jesus was the full message of God. Ever since the fall of man in the garden, God has wanted to have a relationship with us. But there's a conflict there, okay? God and sin cannot coexist. They can't go together. That's why it's so important, okay, for you to seek him and get that sin out of your life. Because sin equals death, and death is literally equals separation from God. Um, so God came down to us through Jesus. <clears throat> he loved us enough to give his son. I told you it's two very special people to me in this world. And, and if you're a parent, it gives you a new understanding of God's love. Because I, I've been in church my whole life. I understand God's love. But when I had my son, boy, it really changed my perspective. And especially now when he's getting up and he's talking, he's saying things you're not proud of. You know, he's doing things you're not proud of. But it doesn't change the fact that you love him. Even when he's spitting at your face and, and fussing at you and really just breaking your heart, you just have his never-ending love for him. And how much greater does our Father in Heaven love us? So he sacrificed his son as a sacrifice for the sins that have kept us separated from him. The word of God gives you the power to face anything you're facing in your life. We all have struggles. I shared with you some of my struggles from this past week. And I know some of you have similar struggles, some of you have very different struggles. We all have struggles. Well, the fact of the matter is, 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 is his word is full of his promises to us. He promises to sustain us and to help us stand our ground. When Satan has convinced you that you're not strong enough, Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. When Satan has you scared, Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear, for I'm with you. 
don't be anxious. Don't, do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When Satan has you convinced that, hey, you're not worthy. You don't deserve this. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When the country you love has turned its back on God and just become wicked. We talked a little bit about the people with their, with, that have stolen the rainbow. Okay, When you're seeing what's going on out there, and it makes you literally sick. Anybody have that feeling? Any of you see what's going on in our country, and it hurts you? Okay? Second um, Chronicles seven fourteen, And my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and I will hear their land. We could really use some healing in our land right now. Uh, when you feel alone or discouraged, anybody ever feel alone or discouraged? Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. When you feel like there's no hope, Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future of hope. When you're in trouble, anybody ever get in trouble? Call upon me, Psalms 50, 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. When you're concerned about your children's future, any of you parents in here ever worry about your kids? Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. And I firmly believe that sometimes they will depart from it for a season. But that, that, that word that you planted in their heart will bring them back. So some of you might have children that are, that are not living like you trained them to live. Keep praying for them. They're coming back. When you're worried, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And when you're sick, anybody fight sickness? <laughs> Is anyone sick among you? James 5, 14 through 15. Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. That's why from time to time you see up here we'll have an anointing prayer service. It's, we, have the, we have faith that our God is still in the healing business. So my question to you today is your sword sharp. Are you ready to do battle? Old Abraham Lincoln, anybody familiar with him? Abraham Lincoln said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. We need to apply that to our lives right here. Okay? You're going to do battle tomorrow. It may be a minor battle, it may be a major battle, but you're going to do battle tomorrow. You need to go out there with a sharp weapon. Alright? I got a little story I want to share with you. Once there was a very strong woodcutter. He asked for a job from a timber merchant, and he got it. And the pay was very good. 
and so were the work conditions. And for that reason, he was determined to do his very best. His boss gave him an axe and showed him the area where he was to work. The first day, the woodcutter cut down 18 trees, and his boss was very impressed. He said, well done, keep it up, you're our best woodcutter yet. Motivated by these words, he tried even harder the next day. But somehow, he only cut down 15 trees. On the third day, he worked even harder, and yet he only cut down 10 trees. Day after day, the woodcutter cut down fewer and fewer trees until his boss finally came to him and said that if he did not chop more trees by the end of the day, he would lose his job. So he needed his job, so he tried harder and harder. He worked through lunch breaks, uh, he worked through his uh, water breaks, but he still couldn't cut down enough trees. And he just thought to himself, I must be losing my strength. Do any of you feel sometimes like you're losing your strength? And I'm not talking about chopping down trees, okay? You've You've just fought and fought and fought, and you just feel like you've lost your strength. Um, so he worked overtime, but it was still not enough. Eventually, a boss came to him and fired him. And the woodcutter was extremely upset, but he knew that he had worked as hard as he could, and he just didn't have enough time to chop more trees. So sadly, he went to his boss and handed him his axe. His boss looked at his axe and said, uh, when was the last time you sharpened it? He said, sharpen my axe? I've never sharpened my axe. I've been too busy cutting trees. <laughs> Some of us, though, we all laugh at that because it's kind of foolish. But some of us don't spend any time sharpening our axe. We're too busy cutting down trees. Barna Research, you know them for their Christian statistics, that's the number one reason people give for not spending time in the Word. They're too busy. Okay? Think about O.A. Blinken. You got six hours to cut down a tree, spend the first four getting ready. Okay, so my question to you again, is your sword sharp? Are you spending time in the Word? According to Barna Research, again, 20% of Americans are Bible engaged. That means that they read the Word at least four times per week, while 73% of Americans proclaim to be Christians. I'll just go ahead and confess to you guys that I don't spend enough time in the Word. And I bet there's several of you that would admit that to me. So have you been sharpening your sword? How many of you watch TV at least four times a week? I bet that statistic would be very different. This last six weeks has been kind of a boot camp, if you will. You've been prepared for battle. You've been equipped with ways to resist the devil. And you've been in the battle during the whole time. But you have the tools now to go out there and stand against the devil. It's going to be up to you on how you apply those to your life. Would you go to battle with a dual sword? How about in a modern term, would would you go to battle without any ammunition or with a dirty rifle? You've been trained. You're ready, but you must apply what's in the training manual. Jesus promised us that we would have troubles. Did you know that? Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? <clears throat> so I just want to encourage you. Um, take time to be in your word. When you're watching that show that you really don't like, just let that register to you. Hey, you know, I could be spending some time talking to the creator of the universe. I could be spending some time growing in the word. I could be learning those promises that I could hide in my heart so that when trouble comes, I'm ready. And I don't turn and run. I stand firm against the devil. So we're going to end a little differently today. This is probably different than anything you've ever done, but I'm, I'm probably a different speaker than any you've ever heard. What, I, what I'm going to ask you to do, in a sense, we've been in boot camp for six weeks. And at the end of boot camp, they're going to line up in a formation. They're going to take uh, their pledge, and then they're going to march off to war. And so in a sense, that's what we're doing. So I'm going to ask you this morning, as many of you as will, let's come to the center aisle. And we're going to stand in here fairly, fairly tightly, and we're going to sing our anthem to God. And then once we're finished our anthem, we will turn and we'll march out of here ready for battle. Does that, is, can we do that this morning? This is a symbolic gesture that we're the army of God. We're going to stand firm against the devil. If you would, just go ahead and start moving to that center aisle.
Heavenly Father, as we go back into the battle, I just pray that you would have your blessing upon these troops standing before you, Lord, these Christian soldiers that are ready to go and stand their ground for you. Lord, we praise you for being the King of Kings. We praise you for being the great leader. We praise you for being the powerful. We know where our help comes from. It comes from you, Lord. It's not in our own power, but it's of you. So I just ask, Lord, that you would have your hand on each one standing here. Give them the strength to stand their ground for you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Guys, go home and sharpen your swords. I love you. Have a good day.